everybody. This is Tassie. And this is Bill. And we're back for episode 12 of the Love Birds podcast. The Love Birds podcast. Yes. Bill is sitting with Pike on his lap looking very comfy. It is very cute. Pike, do you want to say hi? No, he's too scared. Oh, he did a little bit. Oh. So do we have any news from the backyard? Not really. I guess I would just say that in St. Louis that it's gotten pretty hot and humid. Mm -hmm. Not something that wasn't to be expected in late May, almost June. But it does make bird watching unpleasant. It does take, yeah, the, the flare of bird watching goes down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we're on the tail end of migration. Mm-hmm. It's sort of down to our familiar summer birds. Mm-hmm. Although maybe on the upside, there's, this is the time of year when there's all the babies. Yes, yeah, the babies in the nest. Our friends, we were in their backyard and they had a baby grackle. Baby grackle, which mm-hmm. was really adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a robin walking around with worms. Oh, and there was downy woodpeckers on our bird feeder. Well, there was a male and female downy woodpecker, and even though they were both on the feeder, the male was still feeding the female as a sign of his love and commitment. The symbolic chivalry. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't think there's any other news from the backyard or birding news, really. We've had a few people sending us pictures of birds or showing them to me at work, which makes me happy because people always did that with Bill. And now it makes me feel like I'm a good birder. Yay. Oh, I went through my lifetime bird list. I got an app and I tallied it up and I have like 95 birds that I've seen. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And Bill is at 312. Yeah, that sounds right. A lot of mine I've seen sort of intentionally since we've started doing this, but I counted a few that I remember from our travels specifically because with coronavirus and everything I doubt I'll be going to France or Iceland again soon yeah in the next few months probably not we had our 11th outing this past Saturday on May 23rd we went to Little Creve Cora Marsh Uh that's out west of St. Louis out in the county it gets pretty rural pretty fast and so this place was maybe supposed to be a park because there was the creepy abandoned pavilion that was crawling with snakes Yes. I mean, it's on the floodplain of the Missouri River. Mm -hmm. That was my idea, and maybe somebody can correct me, but it did feel like as though they intended it to be a park at one time and then realized that it floods every year. It floods every year. Yeah. And so Bill got me so upset about snakes, like there was one swimming in a little lake right when we got there. Mm -hmm. And then apparently I did not see a huge one that was curled up on this abandoned pavilion, which is probably good that I didn't see it. I think it was a black rat snake. Oh my God. And it had to be six to eight feet long. Oh, stop. And it was all curled up in Mm -hmm. and out of the rafters Mm -hmm. of this abandoned pavilion. Yeah. So he was like, don't look over there. And I was like, but I want to look at this tree that I saw birds flying out of. I did not see the snake. I did see some cedar waxwings are ninja anime birds yes they were very cute yeah i've seen a lot of them lately and i feel like the other thing i saw that we're not going to discuss in our birds today is we saw a female baltimore oriole that was singing a very sweet song for Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. bill says i have oriole eyes tassie always picks them out i mean i guess maybe i'm not looking up at the tops of the trees enough what were you saying about it's nice to have the orioles They are birds that do breed in the St. Louis area, Mm -hmm. and yet, with that in mind, I don't see them that much. Okay. They are very tops of tree birds. They are. They're way up there. You also saw a blue-gray gnat catcher taking fluff, or was it a spider web, to go build its nest? Yeah, I got a really good look at a female blue-gray gnat catcher taking the, I think think you call it... Thistle? Silk. Silk. From one of those, I don't know my insects, but tent caterpillar or thereabouts. Okay. 
okay. type of nest, you know, sort of the bag of silt mm-hmm. in between branches on a tree. Mm-hmm. And that material is perfect for them. She kept uh, going back for it too. Over and over and over again. The blue gray net catcher makes this beautiful little ashtray sized cup nest and they paste lichens and mm-hmm. different kinds of leaves on the outside, mm-hmm. which is probably to camouflage it, but it's sort of like an Etsy decor project. Yeah, they're artisan, those. Yes. So do we want to talk about our four birds? Yeah. The first one is a bird I've seen a couple of times, but it's just very nice. It's the eastern bluebird. Cialia cialis. Okay, so it's almost like the cardinal. Mm-hmm. Cialia cialis. Cialia cialis. Is it spelled Cialis, like the erectile dysfunction drug? It is not. It is spelled with an S. Okay. The eastern bluebird is seven inches long. They are dimorphic in that the female is grayer in general with sort of faint blue patches on her tail and her wings. And we saw a female hopping around. Mm-hmm. They're pretty too. And they are year-round residents in Missouri. They are. They are also the state bird of Missouri. They are. So to describe them, the males have a yellow beak and yellow feet. They are sky blue in their head, their wings, their back, and their tail. And then their breast is rusty red and they have a white belly. I'm gonna jump in and say that only part of the bill is yellow. Okay. In the male. Okay. It is black with a yellow area. They use cavities for nests. They can take over woodpecker holes, or you might see a lot of those little houses that are on posts out in fields or bluebird houses. Yeah. And I'm, do we have them because they're the state, state bird? I know there was a movement to bolster the bluebird population by building many, many houses. Because even like around the swamp, I think there were two or three that we saw just the other day. There were many around the swamp there. Mm-hmm. And actually, I saw saw on an email the other day, I think six or seven of them are occupied this oh, year Okay. by bluebirds. We didn't see any going into the houses. We saw them out in the forest, like the, mm-hmm. they do partially migrate for food. So they may move a little bit, but not like out of a territory. They tend to live in open fields. Their call sounds like truly, tr- truly. That sounds right. Okay. They have two broods per year, and the young of brood number one help to raise the second brood. Oh. Mm-hmm. I guess that the second brood then are narcissists, because they never learn to care for their... I mean, yeah, that's how to mess up some kids. Yep. The eastern bluebird is thrush, just like the American robin is a thrush. And they're about the same size as robins, right? Mm, they're a bit smaller. A bit smaller. If you see a baby bluebird and a baby robin, they look similar. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to our second bird. Mm-hmm. This is another one that we've been seeing a lot and this one I wanted to talk about because I saw the male and then I saw the female and I thought it was a completely different species it took me a while to identify it and the feminist bird club has been encouraging people on Instagram to identify female birds because they do tend to be understudied and underreported or identified so I felt like it was important because this bird is vastly dimorphic yeah the American goldfinch do we have the spinous tristis nice mm-hmm. that's badass mm-hmm. the American goldfinch is five inches long. As I said, it's dimorphic and it's a year-round resident in Missouri. Interesting in the dimorphism though is that in the winter the males look a lot like the females. Yep. So it's breeding season where they are different. To describe, the male is mostly yellow on its head, its body, its breast, and its belly. It does have a conspicuous white rump. It has black wings with striking white wing bars. It has orange beak and feet and it has a black patch right above its nose. Let me see that Crisco rump. It is a Crisco rump. What? That was awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Had you been thinking of that, or did you just come up with it right now? I was going to say, let me see that white rump. And then no. I thought, what would have two syllables? And it's, white. Cr- and it's like butter. This is the man I married. Mm-hmm. Chris, go butt. You go. That was awesome. The female goldfinch is more of a dull olive yellow. And the pattern well, on the one that I was drawing from had sort of a light spot around her eye. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she has brownish black wings with very distinct white wing bars, like even more than the male. Mm-hmm. And then she's dull olive on the chest and the belly, but she also has a conspicuous Crisco rump. Mm-hmm. And then her beak and feet are more of a blackish gray. I know an informal name for them is wild canaries. Yes, I had that too. Wild canary. Goldfinches have a really cute little call where they go, but it's not that breathy. None of these are any air close. They tend to live in open fields, scrubby areas, and woodland, so the swamp we were at was perfect. They feed on Niger seed. What is Niger seed? Most people call it thistle. Like the thistle feeder that we have, the long one. Yeah. That the downies were at. Mm-hmm. Okay. They use silky down from thistle to build their nests in the late summer. Maybe you're going to say this, but they nest later than other birds to coincide with the maturation of the thistle plant. That was not what I was going to say. They tend to twitter during their roller coaster flights, so they go and they and I have that they travel in small flocks. For example, at Forest Park, there's an area where there's usually, at least in the summer, there will be 10 or 20 or 30 goldfinches. I'm sure there's a collective noun for... I wanted to talk about, we saw that really hairy looking female chickadee. Yeah. Since it's the time of youth with the, the young the young youths running around asking for food. There was this female chickadee who looked like she was working her ass off. She looked like she had not bathed in a few days mm-hmm. and she was ratty looking and there were these little squawking chicks following her around everywhere. Yeah. And she was like, just leave me alone. I just want to suck it up myself. Not- Let me watch my stories and drink some wine. It's not a pretty life. I tried to tell her that she could be child-free by choice, but not apparently for the birds. For things with shorter lifespan who aren't depleting the earth. It got dark. Sorry. Um, A group of goldfinches is a charm. That's adorable. Isn't that? adorable. Lovebirds vocabulary. A charm of goldfish. Finches. Of goldfinches. Crisco buttered robins. Mm-hmm. I mean bluebirds. Crisco buttered robins. Yo. Okay. The other two birds we saw are these tall, long, majestic water birds. So the first one is the great egret. And we saw them right as we pulled up to this place, like in a little marsh, little marsh area. And it was like doing its little moving its head and stepping slowly looking for fish, mm-hmm. getting ready to impale them. <laughs> to describe the great egret is 38 inches tall, so this is a tall bird. They are monomorphic, and they do migrate. So we only see them during migration is what I had. No, we, we see them all summer. All summer. So they migrate here, and then they stay for the summer. That is right. All right, do we have the Latin? Ardea alba. Ardea alba. Ardea alba. Ardea alba. And alba means white, right? Yes. So interesting. Like, like albino. Yes, look at you. Latin. Or Albanians. Yes. Or the linea alba is an anatomical term. It's the line in your your belly. That's the linea alba. Mm-hmm. Okay. Apparently, egret comes from the French agret, which means ornamental tufts of plumes. 
Oh, yeah. And that is notable because apparently they were hunted nearly to extinction for the plumage off their butts. Yeah. Because they're these big showy feathers. Beautiful. Okay, so they are all white. They have a long pointed yellow bill and they have a long snake-like neck and then they have black legs and feet and they have plumage off the butt. I don't know how to describe them. What would you say? <laughs> yeah. They slowly stalk for fish in shallow wetlands and they tend to spear them. This is one of these things about birding where there's so much enjoyment to be had. Mm-hmm. Like if you are at a park or a wetland, and sometimes these birds will be in city parks, often these birds will be in city parks, and you watch one long enough, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a very good chance you will see it get a fish. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting. And then you see them fly too, and that's really great. Yeah. We also saw, remember the goslings? Yes. That were no longer so fluffy as the pictures you got like a week ago. Remember we said the adults teaching them how to like take off and swim? Oh, that was cool. It was adorable. The Canada geese were doing their running start across the water. We did not get close to them because I don't want to die. Cassie is afraid of being hacked to death. We watched those goose attack videos. The threat is real. Yes. Do you remember that kid that they just like launched at? Mm-hmm. Especially this time of year, they're angry. Pecked to death, I guess. Pecked to death. Last year, when we could still travel, we went to Hilton Head, South Carolina mm-hmm. and got to see a rookery. Mm-hmm. And a rookery is what? It is where great egrets and other egrets and herons and wading birds, it's like a nursery. It's where they nest and have their babies in a colony. Oh, and this one was on the abandoned golf course. Well, there was more than one. And I think they have even more plumes during the Mm -hmm. breeding season. And so trees full of giant white birds. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, last year, from what I understand, this is happening again to some extent. Oh, is it? Can we go see it? Yeah. There is a rookery. A city rookery. urban rookery. Near St. Louis University. Near St. Louis University. Sort of in an area where there's a fairly large sort of townhouse apartment complex. And then some vacant lots a funeral home and a church mm-hmm. and nowhere near water mm-hmm. and then there were hundreds of great egrets snowy and egrets little blue herons that nested in the trees yeah. all around this area and you're not allowed to mess with them or was that just in North Carolina you're not allowed to mess with them and that is how this rookery came to the attention of most of the bird community in St. Louis is because mm-hmm. I think one or two people knew about it and then this apartment complex went to do their springtime time tree trimming mm. um, which to their defense it, you know, is, is fairly, routine fairly probably, normal thing right, right. Yeah. but the birders were able to sort of step in and uh, at least delay the tree trimming until after the summer after the birds the youth had fledged and then after that there's no trouble trimming the trees but then there was a similar story in North Carolina remember because it was in like a lake and apparently there were gators in the lake around the island that had the trees with the rookery mm-hmm. and the people People who lived on the golf course with the lake in it wanted to get rid of the gators, but they weren't allowed to because that would endanger the egrets. The egrets will pick islands in ponds with alligators because it's another layer of defense. Mm-hmm. So if a mammal, I think we're talking raccoons maybe. Foxes. Possibly foxes, coyotes, other animals that might want to prey on either the eggs or the young. Mm-hmm. They would not only have to swim across, but they would also have to dodge uh, the gators. Dodge the gators. It's a symbiotic relationship with the gators and the egrets. Mm-hmm. If and when we get to travel again, Defusky Island off North Carolina is worth a trip. That's where we saw the gators and the rookery. 
to the last bird we're going to talk about today. This is the double-crested cormorant. It is called double-crested because it has a crest on each side of its head to make it look like a real goofball. <laughs> but apparently you never see it. Have you ever seen the cormorant with its crests up? That's a good question. There was like an inset picture in my book where it's like, hi, and it's got the crests up. <laughs> no, I guess I haven't seen seen it with its little doodads up on its head. Phallocrocorax mm-hmm. are. Phallocrocorax auritus. Very nice. This bird is 33 inches long. It has a 4.5 foot wingspan and it's monomorphic. I have that as a migration bird, but does it stay for the summer? It stays for the summer. Okay. And, oh, I have that it winters in southern Missouri, so it doesn't migrate far even when it does. I believe that the edge of their wintering grounds comes into southern Missouri. Okay. To describe, these dudes are all black. They have a gray bill with a hooked tip to get the fish. They have a sort of spot of reddish yellow right at the end of the bill as it goes into the face and over the eye. It has a long snake-like neck, and then its back and its tails and its webbed feet are all black. And apparently its name comes from the corm is like corvid for crow, and the morant is for marinus or sea, so it's the sea crow because it's black. Nice. So, with Bill freaking me out about the snakes, Mm -hmm. I heard this like rustling in the water and I had to kneel down and look back behind some trees and I had binoculars up. And these things, they swim underwater with their wings at their side and their necks coming up. And I thought these were water moccasins, a whole bunch of water moccasins. I was really freaked out. And I like exclaimed and Bill thought I was excited, but really I was scared for my life. And it was the the double crested cormorants. There were a bunch of them in the water and then they took off. Mm -hmm. This was in the swamp. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me about them is that when they're in the water, they look, look like... Tell me that doesn't look like a water moccasin. That picture right there. That one. What I was about to say was that they look like ducks or geese in the way that they swim in the water. Fine. But then when you see them perched, they look much more like a heron or an egret. Mm-hmm. Hi, Pike. Another thing about them, they definitely hang out in groups, mm-hmm. big groups. And one of the coolest things that they have to sun mm-hmm. their wings. Because they don't have the wax or whatever that keeps them from getting waterlogged. Right. So they have to dry out. And I've heard that this is an advantage because they are able to dive. Dive to get the fish. Notably, when they're soaring, their wings come off the middle of their body as opposed to the front of the body, like with the turkey vulture. Because we saw some other birders who were like, oh yeah, we saw the cormorants flying and that was how bill first identified it so it was sort of fortuitous that we saw them in the water anything else to say about the double crested cormorant every time i've been by the ocean or a large body of water there have been cormorants i'm talking in the united states that's because they're sea crows Mm -hmm. let's see here i wanted to discuss the future of this podcast so we're going to keep attempting to bird at least once a week and report on some birds but if it gets too hot and or the birding gets boring we might be changing format a little bit and that we might have episodes about specific topics so that might be happening in the future Mm -hmm. so once again throw your support behind the feminist bird club they're on instagram and they have lots of women and minorities and queer people who feel more comfortable in groups and feel empowered watching birds and looking for female birds too and there's a lot of positivity in that group so i would recommend them we are on twitter at lovebirds underscore pod 
and I try to share special articles. Like last time I shared about the cedar wax wings. Apparently the wax on their wings is real and it's ornamental to like make them more suitable for breeding to mates. Yeah. I mean, it's not actually wax. No, it is. I shared an article on Twitter about how it's actually wax. Okay. And then I also shared an article about how apparently the spruce budworm, they tend to cycle in like 20 year cycles in terms of how numerous they are. Ah. And I think that was what you were talking about that you saw before. So I share good stuff on Twitter. Also, follow I share Tassie on Twitter. Yes. Also, no, I sh follow lovebirds on Twitter. Yes. Also, I share pictures of our cats occasionally. So Bill is on Instagram at songbill as well as Flickr. Just today, he shared the picture of the Natty Light making nest out of the uh, making its nest out of the webby Silk. stuff. Silk. Yes. And I think that's it for us. We're pretty tired. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, you can hit us up on any of those platforms. It has been a pleasure to meet with you this evening indeed we look forward to next week to sharing more bird adventures absolutely i'm bill and i'm tassie see you next week